0: Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast.
1: Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more. An extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids, one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast.
0: Hi, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus
1: with Impact ADHD,
0: your online resource for parenting complex kids. And I'm here to welcome you to Parenting with Impact Voices of Complex Kids. And We're going to have some a series of conversations about what your kids wish you knew. And we're going to start today with the fabulous, wonderful, extraordinary Sophie Didier. Thank you. And I, I'm not sure... What to do in the way of introduction. I think maybe, Sophie, the best way is for you to introduce yourself a little bit and share what you want to share, how old you are, and sort of what,
2: what do you think makes you a complex kid? Well, I'm 18 years old. just recently turned 18. Um, I go to an all-girls school, St. Trace's Academy in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, I think what makes me a complex kid is definitely the diagnoses I have, ADHD and bipolar disorder and Tourette's all together is a very unique unique combination um, of diagnoses, but more what comes along with that, I think, especially growing up, um, the challenges and the feelings that come along with having those. Right, right. So there are these diagnoses
0: and, and several of them, and that's kind of typical for a lot of complex kids is it's usually not just one thing. Mm-hmm. So what I think we want to talk about first is, you know, tell us a little bit about your story. What are some of the challenges that you faced growing up? Um, and how long have you known about these issues? But start with first, what are the challenges you were facing? Sort of walk us through your story a little bit.
2: So I would always get in trouble, like throughout school, it started in kindergarten, but even before. I would always get in trouble for talking during class and get my friends in trouble because I'd be talking to them and then they'd be talking back. And so we'd all get in trouble. And so eventually my, this was in, this went into eighth grade. When my teachers would like give me suckers so that I'd stop talking. Right. <laughs> so yeah but then also I like had I was very much a perfectionist which is why my parents didn't you know or my mom even didn't think um that I could have ADHD is because I was you know always like very ahead of school and like every project I did like it had to be perfect but like looking back every like the night before a project would do was due. like it's not because I procrastinated it it's just because it wasn't the way I wanted it. So I'd have, like, a complete breakdown the night before and, like, redo the entire project. Right. Uh, yeah, things like that. And then I was always, even, like, if I couldn't stay focused in class, which I had a lot of trouble, then I knew from, like, very early on, I'd, like, try to remember what I'd done at school that day. Someone asked me, and I'd be like, well, I'm not really sure, actually, what I did today at school. But I was always um, smart enough to catch up. Um, right. Yeah, so – so, there's this sort of scenario where you
0: knew you were smart, right? But there was a sort of not performing at the level, level that might have made sense consistently. Uh-huh. So, a real inconsistency. So, and how old were you when y'all started figuring out there might be something else going on besides just normal kid stuff?
2: I would say it's eighth grade is when my grades started slipping. And like, I'd always been a straight A student. Um, and I remember still, I got a C in science and I, I mean, I thought it was the end of the world, but, um, so that's when I was, and I'd been telling my parents that, you know, I, I really can't focus, you know, in class, like, I don't know what's going on. Like, I just, I can't pay attention. I I'm not like present during the school day. And so I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety first. And so I was diagnosed with that at the end of my um, eighth grade year. And so that made things better. Like the motivation, like I came back, I guess, like I was motivated again to do things, but I still couldn't pay attention. Like I just, and I had, my mom likes to call it bouncy leg syndrome where like I'd get both legs going in class, up and down and it'd shake like the whole floor and just little things like that. So then freshman year. Wait, so can
0: I stop you there for a yeah. second? Because you, mm-hmm. said, you said something really interesting um, that when you were diagnosed with depression and anxiety, which we now know was actually not, was, was sort of a cause of these other issues, right? But at mm-hmm. the time you got this diagnosis and that made you feel better. What made you feel better about it?
2: Um, I think knowing that There wasn't something wrong with me per se, I guess, that there was a reason I was feeling the way I was and that there, I'm a big advocate for medication, but that there was something that could make me feel better.
0: Okay. So that you knew there was something identified and you could get some help. Yes. Right. Because you just wanted to feel better. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of parents we find um, are afraid to tell their kids when they have a diagnosis because
2: they don't want to label them. Right. So what comes up for you when you hear that? I don't. I mean, I guess I understand that point of view, but I wouldn't agree with it. I think knowing like as a kid or young adult, I think knowing They always say that you know, like it's an it's a reason, not an excuse. But like knowing that there is a reason behind why you're feeling this way or acting this way or why you can't pay attention in class, I think it makes you feel better knowing that there's something that's the reason behind it. That it's not just you as a person. There's something wrong with you. I think like if you didn't know that you had ADHD or you just would think poorly of yourself, you know, and it can lead to more self confidence issues and
0: yeah, yeah I often say that if you don't give kids a reason or an understanding for why their behaviors are what they are that what they're going to make up about themselves isn't nearly as nice
2: yeah right. Very, right yes very true right okay so you were saying so ninth grade what changed then so I'd just been consistently telling my parents and so my mom has always been very active working with people with ADHD and starting support groups and stuff. And so all my brothers had been, not all my brothers, two of my brothers had been diagnosed um, with ADHD and she was diagnosed with ADHD as well when they were. And so I had been telling her that I think I might have ADHD. Like I, you know, all the symptoms are there, like not exactly the same ones my brothers have. And she was like, well, I I don't think so. We'll, Well, we'll get it checked out or whatever. So I went for my, 15-year-old checkup and they gave me like the typical paper sheet you know it's like check all of the things that you've been feeling or whatever in the past and so Dr. Stuffy actually is who it was who we've been she's known me since birth she was like oh my god like she was like how did we not like of course you have ADHD like (laughs) I mean just every single box is checked and so that's when and I knew, like, I, like walking out of the doctor's office, my mom was making sure I was okay. She's like, well, what do you think about this? And I was like, well, I knew. Like I told you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I, feel, I feel great. And so sort of once thing. again,
0: you had an explanation yeah. that actually made you feel better.
2: Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so then I was started on um, medication and it like right away improved everything. I could focus at school. I could like take notes, my legs still shake occasionally, but it 's just the blood it 's getting the blood flowing
0: so right well you know it 's not about not having the hyperactivity it 's about learning to manage it and, and reducing exactly. the symptoms so you can manage it right that 's what the medication 's about so when you started on medication, did you have a good sense of what it was for? like did you understand why you were taking it, what you were trying to achieve with it?
2: Uh, for me, I just wanted to be able to focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I first started on Adderall And my mom was like Here's all You know You've got to tell me If you're You know Don't have an appetite All the normal things If you can't sleep Whatever And I was like Okay And so I was on it for a week And I just Was I was so Angry All the time I like Which is an effect I guess it has So that For uh, some people Not all people Let me just clarify So uh, then We switched to Focalin And so I've been on Focalin Since freshman year And that was just that one just worked perfectly i didn't have any you know suppression my appetite wasn't keeping me up at night i wasn't there was no side effects there are no side effects still um, for you, right? Yeah, for me personally. Okay, so, so once you got a handle on what was going on and you started
0: getting some treatment, it didn't freak you out and make you go, oh my God, it kind of went, okay, now I have an explanation for what's going on and it started helping you achieve what you wanted to achieve. Yes. So we've been talking about sort of what happened up through high school and how you got diagnosed and how you got into treatment, um, but you know, there's more than ADHD going on, right? So, so after you started getting treatment for ADHD, anything else you want to share about sort of what the challenges are you've been dealing with before we go back and unpack it a little bit.
2: Yeah, so um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder sophomore year. And in females especially, ADHD causes, well, undiagnosed ADHD can cause, you know, an increase in like risque behavior or impulsive choices. But since I was already being treated, it didn't really make sense to my parents at least, um, or me, I guess, that I was just, I I gave... um, I still do my parents i give them a lot of trouble um not intentionally really but um so a bunch of events happened i guess um that led them to believe well maybe there's more going on and so i went through a lot of testing i went to two different um doctors we did like in-depth like hours-long testing and so they both said yes she definitely has bipolar disorder um, which runs in the family so i wasn't i guess i wasn't surprised about that when either i was mm-hmm. a little like oh i didn't you know i didn't think that that's what it was but then once they explained everything to me and like explained what bipolar 1 was i was like oh well okay. yeah, yeah that makes sense so, right yeah and so after i went on my medication for that that really seemed to stable everything out. And yeah, medication for that helped a lot. And then Tourette's didn't show up until my junior year. So like every single year, I just, you know, had a new diagnosis. (laughs) Yeah. Um, You know,
0: you're handling it really well. I just want to say, you know, it's a lot of stuff, but you've got sort of a nonchalant kind of this is what it is. And this is who I am kind of approach to it. It's pretty cool.
2: So I've always had – you have to have a vocal tic and a motor tic to have Tourette's. So I've always had a vocal tic, which just sounds like I'm clearing my throat. Mm -hmm. Um, But my motor tic, which is my eye blinking, and it kind of looks like I'm rolling my eyes, which – it's, it's all, people pissed off, right? People, yeah. <laughs> people, especially teach, like, I'll be, and it's in my, like, full, like forms and everything at school, so my teachers are supposed to know, but I'll still have them, they'll be like, are you context dry? And I'll be like, like, just across the entire class, they'll be like, do you need, like, something for your, and I'll be like, no, I have to no, okay. and then they feel super awkward, and then I feel right. awkward, even though it's like, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's not, I mean, it's not like I told them, like, I'm dying or something, like, it's just, that's what it is, and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, and it's like, no, I mean, you know, it's whatever, but... That'll yeah. teach them to read their paperwork, won't it? Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so yeah, the eye blinking didn't start till junior year. And so I went to an optometrist. I went to a neurologist. It wasn't actually until I we went to the neurologist that he was like, oh, this is classic Tourette's. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went on guamphazine, which is a blood pressure medicine that they often use for tics. And so that's helped it a lot.
0: Okay. All right. So you've had a pretty complex journey for, for a young woman of your young years, right? And so what when you look back on it, what helps you manage now? Like now you have a lot of awareness. You're clearly extremely well-educated about the conditions that you live with. And so you understand what you're doing and you are very clearly an active part of management. This is not something your parents are doing for you. This is part of your journey, right? So what helps you manage it?
2: Well, first of all, definitely like taking my medication. I've never tried not I've never tried like going more like an organic route or whatever but I'm you know that works for some people but what works for me is like making sure to take my medication every day also exercise I play lacrosse um year-round and so I'm playing lacrosse in college too so that like not only keeps a schedule for me but helps to get a bunch of energy out right yeah but I would say one of the big and I mean taking like breaks while studying too I find that I need to take more breaks than the average person just because it's counterproductive at certain points Um, trying to study but taking medication definitely I get into a lot of mostly driving is what I have trouble with if I don't take medication and so Mm -hmm. even like if I go out at night I'll take a short acting Mm -hmm. or else I'll just to keep you focused, there's no better place yeah. to be focused than behind the wheel. I'll drive right. home with more speeding tickets and my parents won't be very happy again. But, you know, right.
0: Yeah. Right. So part of what I'm, I'm hearing is that you're managing it consciously and actively and that you're aware of it and that you're sort of, you know, every day you're thinking about well, what do I do to manage it, right? And it's a lot yep. of different complex pieces that you're trying to manage, right? Mm-hmm. So when you look back to your childhood, right now that you're you're a young adult, you're graduating from high school, you're ready to go on to college, um, and you've sort of got—I won't say you've got it mastered, but you certainly understand what you need to manage. Fair? Yes. To to whatever extent, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you when you look back? What do you wish your parents had known or understood earlier? And I'm not saying that to blame them for not knowing. Mm-hmm. But what do you wish that they or or Dr. Stuppy had known that would have sort of helped you identify some of these issues sooner?
2: Mm. Um, well, one, I wish they would have listened, not to you know call them out, but I was right. you know, I was like, I really can't focus, you know. It was like right there. But then also, <laughs> yeah. But then also, how um, different ADHD is in young girls than it is from young boys, okay. um, and so like a bunch of the things. And it's, you know, just specific to my case too, like being very outgoing, but then, you know, some girls fall behind, but most um, girls, unlike boys, are able to catch up um, on their own. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's not really obvious in their grades that they aren't paying attention right? Uh, in school. But then also, um, so my- but, you, but, we, but what I'm hearing is
0: even though your grades were good and you were getting your work done, mm-hmm. you were feeling like it was, like you were communicating and feeling like it was hard.
2: Yeah, yeah right? it was definitely, I was definitely having to work a lot harder than I should. I mean, Khan Academy basically got me through grade school because I'd have to <laughs> learn whatever we learned that day. <laughs> So, yeah, I even though I was doing fine, if you, like, asked me, I would have felt so behind and out of, and, like, clearly people were like, well, that's not the case. I mean, you have straight A's. And I'd be like, well, no, like, I really, like, just don't get it. I don't, I'm not there.
0: Right. Okay. So what else? What else would it have, in hindsight, what what else does hindsight teach you? What else does
2: hindsight teach me? Just, again, being, like, putting forth, like, a very put-together facade, but then, having the personal life, just a mess. Um, it's always been that like my backpack is organized a certain, like the notebooks all have their place. They go in a certain order. My locker is always organized a certain way. My planners like color coded. Um, <laughs> but then you come home to my room and I mean, you can't see my floor. Like I truly right. can't see my floor right now and laundry gets backed up and then I have to, you know, do it all on Sunday, but right. Yeah, so so just, when there's
0: an inconsistency, when what's mm-hmm. being shown to the outside world isn't what you're seeing at home.
2: hmm Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's,
0: that's another good sign. hmm Okay. Anything else? Any other things that you look back and you go, huh,
2: that could have been a red flag? I would say internalizing things. Um, I think when, and I've heard this from other people as well, but when I like, I mean, even this this happened just a few months ago too. I forgot my backpack, and this would happen in grade school when I was younger as well. But I forgot my backpack at home, and I I like don't do it like I don't forget my backpack. And so I like called my parents, and I was like, "I'm so sorry, like I forgot my backpack. Like, I know I'm I I didn't meet." They were like, "It's okay. Like we'll call you. Just come home and get it." And like to me, it was like I've done something terribly wrong, and like mm-hmm. it, it, when I was younger too. It was was like just something would happen that was just an honest mistake or something that wasn't even my fault, and I'd put it on myself. I'd be like, "Well, I'm a terrible person because you know this happened," um, mm-hmm. when really I had no control over it to some extent.
0: So there was sort of this difficulty with what were and weren't reasonable expectations, mm-hmm. because if you were struggling to meet the typical expectations, then it was almost as if you couldn't figure out what was or wasn't reasonable. Yes. If you think about it, I mean, that's kind of, I've never really thought about that way. It's really interesting. So Sophie, if you, if you have a message for, for younger kids who might be listening to this,
2: what would it be? I mean, I guess it's sort of cliche, but it's going to be okay. You're going to, you know, everything, everything's going to be okay. Really? That's okay. What else? What would you encourage them to do
0: to help their, if they feel like something's going on with them to help their parents? understand what their challenges are?
2: I would say, I mean, sometimes even then you have to, you know, verbalize it for a while before they actually take it into account. But I mean, doing research too, and like knowing that, or just being knowledgeable about what's going on, I think even just like if we were taught, but that mean, you know, that's a whole nother thing, but being knowledgeable about what's going on and like if you're having issues maybe like looking into it and then you know showing your parents and having like open and honest conversations with them like hey like this is what's going on and I don't feel like that's not normal but like I don't I need help dealing with it or I need something of that sort
0: well and that's what was jumping out at me is that across throughout your life what I hear that you've always been pretty good at is asking for help right Mm -hmm. is recognizing when something doesn't feel right and saying you know raising the red flags and saying i need some help
2: Mm -hmm. as much as i ask for help i do ask for help and i need help
0: yeah but you do hate to do it sometimes right i mean that's kind of a normal thing as a kid is we want to be able to do it ourselves but this is complex stuff
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right and so you really needed parents to to help you figure out how you could get to a point where you were helping yourself Yeah. So we're about out of time. Any sort of final thoughts, anything else you want to share with parents or or kids who might be listening to this? What's your, you know, takeaway message?
2: Parents, I would say, you know, don't take it lightly when your kid thinks, you know, that something might be going on. Listen to them and look into it. And even if they're wrong, you know, at least you did everything. Great. Awesome. All right. Our guest has been Sophie Didier. Thank you
0: so much for sharing your story and your wisdom and your experience. Um, And to those of you listening, thanks for tuning in to Parenting with Impact, what you wish your kids had known uh, or what kids wish you had known. And uh, you can find more resources for parents of complex kids on impactadhd.com. And we will talk to you next time. Take care, everyone.
1: You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com podcast.
0: Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com sanityschool Sanity School.